Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Poor Man's Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. I'm your host, Chris. And with me, the alluded to, the aforementioned Sports Guy JP. JP, how are you this week? Oh, it's great. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that you put the emphasis there on the Sports Extra. Definitely don't want to confuse it for the regular old Poor Man's Podcast. Oh, yeah. Not that thing. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 uh sports show part b no absolutely not <laughs> no uh, we're, we're, we're in it for uh, you know th- this is the, the the real deal here you know you know what no joke the sports show probably gets more love than the regular show the, and you know what and not to toot our own horn jp but i feel like our sports show is pretty legit i feel like we have some decent insight i think it's on par with anything else in at least sports in pittsburgh right now um, and I think it's an entertaining once a week thing. You know, you get a nice hour, you get your sports information, you get a little mirth, and uh, you know what, what's not to like about it. I, I agree. No, no different than what you hear on the radio. Um, I would say from the, the, the B team, as I hear them referred to <laughs> as yeah. often. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, a, a little bit of blend of across the league, not just Yinzer talk, but actual intelligent football talk and uh, Sealer talk, not just these. You know, Heinz Ward should be in the Hall of Fame because he could block. Absolutely, and 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 they'll be like, "Well, they changed the rule." To okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. And and Heinz Ward, like, that's the thing, JP. It's like, should the best kicking linebacker be in the NFL? <laughs> like, I get that. Like, blocking is a part of being a wide receiver. Uh, <sighs> And not enough to put you in the Hall of Fame. It's he, not like we had thousand yard rushers behind Heinz Ward. It was behind Dane Kreider and Jeff Hardings and Fanica. Oh, absolutely! That entire Marvell Smith was a beast. <laughs> Even the guys on the right with like Max Starks and uh, uh, Kendall Simmons, like those look like all stars compared to some of the guys that are uh, at least from the offensive line in the last decade. Oh yeah, definitely. That was a. Very underrated line Pittsburgh have had Marvell Smith, Kendall Simmons, especially, I think, two very uh, in Max Starks underrated pieces, bookend tackles. Uh, I'd, I'd kill to have that in Pittsburgh today. That's one of those things that I think like people would really underestimate or overlook um, from like Steelers teams back in, you know, the, the mid to early 2000s and even the later 2000s with Pouncey and DeCastro. But like, the the Steelers O line has been pretty solid at least at least through the middle for for the most part until recently when you had like what we were just saying Jeff Harding's was solid and even before that like the the, the whole center position from the Steelers has been solid other than maybe you know Sean Mahan and uh, 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 what was his name Hartwig Justin Hartwig Justin Hartwig yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you you had you know, Germani uh, Dawson, Hall of Famer. You had Mike Webster, forever Hall of Famer. You had Marquise Pouncey, who could be a Hall of Famer. 
uh, just consistency up the middle. But you see these guys now, and you're seeing, you know. I mean, you see a feetful rebuild at the moment. I mean, you know, DeCastro was a little younger than the other guys, but and definitely um, stopped him from playing longer. Pouncey, a little bit older, but still, he was kind of like banged up too. So injuries kind of took their toll on them. And then simultaneously, Villanueva and Ramon Foster just got older too. And now it's like, instead of rebuilding it piece by piece, it's like the whole ensemble all at once. Yeah, you're right. It's it's not like, okay, let's just fix the left guard this year, and then in three years we can do the right tackle. It's like, okay, all your offensive line is gone. Figure it out. And your quarterback. <laughs> Though I, I do have to give them credit. They have played together as a unit all year. Like They've been one of the healthiest O-lines in the entire NFL this year. And, um, you know, they're far from elite, but I, I think they've uh, performed relatively well the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I definitely want to talk about all that um, and, and from the last game with the Ravens, the win against the Ravens. I do briefly want to touch on DeMar Hamlin real quick um, because I do think that's very important, especially for us uh, uh, being Central Catholic graduates, being Western Pennsylvania, being Pittsburgh guys. DeMar Hamlin from McKees Rocks um, in a freak accident against Cincinnati. I'm sure everybody listening to this has already known by now. But just seeing him in critical condition, he remains critical condition right now. This is Wednesday around 4.40. He's in uh, critical condition still and just, you know, hoping he does well. Um, As guys who went to Central Catholic, who are from Pittsburgh, you know, you see him in the community. Um, It's not just insert football player X who got hurt. This is DeMar Hamlin. And, like, everybody's like that, but especially for us. And uh, I feel like this is a platform to talk about something like this. He, he is. He's not just football player. He's not just a safety from Buffalo. He's a guy who's in our community. He was given back. He does stuff with his toy drive. He, he's there. I remember seeing him at uh, football camps. You know, I played football for a little bit at Central. You see these guys given back, and it's so huge to these younger kids in middle school and stuff. And people are like, oh, he's a football player. But for a lot of young boys, like, that's everything. And, you know, he's still a human being, and you hope to see him do well. And every day, you know, we, we're hoping to see an improvement with him. Yeah, athletes just across the country have such an influence on young people with their voices, whether or not the general public wants it to be that way. Um, But if you could just find anyone who's willing to help be a positive impact on our communities, I think that's incredibly important and crucial just to help groom the next generation. Um, And, you know, if, if, if it's an athlete that gives back to you and you can see yourself in an athlete, like it's it. You know, it's such a big deal to let people understand that where, you know, where they come from, they can overcome adversity with, um, you know, by working hard and uh, following in the footsteps of their, um, you know, favorite athletes or, you know, just whatever um, occupation it is. And um, I mean, I, I think that, you know, if you could find anyone's positive role model and you want to follow in their footsteps, that's to me, that's a good influence. And you know, like you said, DeMar Hamlin, it was definitely a freakish accident. And, you know, you, you tend to forget, like, players themselves. Like, you know, Ryan Clark mentioned that, like, like you you forget sometimes, just like in the heat of the moment, you say things like, I'm willing to die for this, or I'll do, you know, yeah. do whatever it takes. And then you see it happen in real life. And, you know, this wasn't like an incident training camp where only the team saw it. Like, the public... Millions watching, thousands at the game, 
players on both teams witnessed this happen. And uh, I think, you know, the, the support's been, you know, great. It's been um, positive generally. Um, I'd say like over 99%. And, you know, what he does with the toy drive, you see um, the support that the community is giving to that. It increased from what he was looking for, what, 2,500 and over yeah. 5 mil last night. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. That, yeah I mean, uh, and, you know, all, all things considered, hopefully, you know, he's great. And, uh, you know, hopefully he remains, um, or, you know, I'm hoping he gets to be able to wake up and be, you know, seek improvement. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm really pulling for him and I want to see what happens, you know, when he's able to see, you know, the influence this has had, you know, on not just himself, but also on the community and the kids, you know, that, um, you know, it's just, you know, I, I really hope that he's able to pull through it so he could see the influence him and his charities had on the community and to see the overwhelming support from, you know, general people and, you know, his um, teammates and other athletes across who have contributed to his cause. For sure. And, and one of the, one of the strange things, it's not like frustrating, but, but it's like, how do you fix it? Because it's such a freak accident. Like it was such a, a run of the mill play. T Higgins going across the middle. He didn't like, it wasn't a dirty play. It's not like anybody no, was doing anything wrong. Contact. T. Higgins turned it upfield. DeMar tackled him, hit him in the chest, and it seemed like nothing. He popped up and dropped. And, like, you could tell that there was something wrong almost immediately. And it, it's such a, a, a freak occurrence that people aren't prepared for it. People don't know how to react to it. And I do have to kind of give credit, especially to Zach Taylor, um, uh, uh, Sean McDermott, the, the the coaching staff for both teams, both the players on the teams, they were saying, you know, maybe we'll come back in five minutes or whatever. And I know that's just a standard thing, but I do think the way the players looked, you could see Josh Allen. He looked yeah. disturbed. He looked like he couldn't go back into the game. You saw Stephon Diggs. Like, these are people, and, like, when you're working, like, for anybody, like, you love your family and you love your friends, but, like, a lot of the people you work with, you're around more than them. And, yeah. and and this isn't just this isn't just a coworker like like you go up and you fight against these people and and you know it, like being on a team like you have this camaraderie that's more than that and it, it's kind of hard to explain if you're not really experienced with that but uh, just seeing these guys and and like I was saying Zach Taylor I feel like he handled it very classy Sean McDermott just everybody did and and like we were talking about before you were saying the, the first responders and everything, like he could have died on that field if they weren't there. Like at least there's a chance that he's going to fight back and that wouldn't have happened without some of these people. And I feel like they handled it the right way, regardless of betting and fantasy shit. Mm-hmm. Like a, a human being's life is more important than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of people, myself included, definitely had fantasy finals that are in limbo right now, but that doesn't matter. Um, you know, what's going on in the NFL and what happens on the field right now despite we're a week away from playoffs, it just, it really doesn't matter. It puts you in perspective on things. You know, when you see a guy that's fighting for his life, literally on the field after, you know, making a hit in a football game. Um, thank God for the first responders who, um, yeah, were there immediately. So instead of it taking hour and hour or hours to get to a hospital, it only took minutes since they were able to, um, get there and make sure he was treated to the best of their ability. And you said you could see the faces 
on the players, you see Stephon Diggs, Jadavius White, and tears, Josh Allen. Yeah, Jadavius White, was, uh, he looked like he might have been the most messed up about it. And you see that with, like, the position groups, the defensive backs. Like, a team is close, and then you have, like, the defense and the offense that kind of break off, and then they're, they're kind of more close. And then you have your linebacker group, you have your defensive line group, and you have your defensive backs. And in those defensive backs, it's even more close-knit. And it's like when you see these guys, like it, it really puts into perspective, like how they're human beings. Like these guys have families. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't just a safety for the Bills. This is somebody's son. This is somebody's cousin. Like really put yourself in that perspective. And it, and it's and I really do think like people watch the NFL and stuff. It's like the modern day gladiator. And it is. It's almost like it's hard to separate the two. Like from being a human being and being a football player on TV. And we're like, oh, they get paid millions. Yeah, they do get paid millions. But they also, you know, this kind of things happen. And and it's crazy. And I realize it's a it's a freak occurrence and whatever, but it is an occurrence that just happened. Yeah, and they're paid millions of dollars for the entertainment of the general public. So right. anyone who says that, you know, they're millionaires and, you know, I don't, you know, they're, they shouldn't be taken seriously or their words aren't as valuable as they're just lying. It's, it's just like, um, you know, they're just playing the sport that they enjoy playing. And, you know, if you're able to make money doing that and you're supporting the general public who's pouring money into it, then yeah, they're entitled to that money. I I, I agree. I feel like the, the players deserve it as much as anybody else. And people who, who hate on the players for being that much don't hate on the players for that. I mean, if if you have a problem with it, hate on the ju- general public for being that obsessed with yeah. it. Like they they are believe. only getting their piece of what they they deserve. Like they're yeah. they're getting their percentage of whatever percent of the billions of dollars the NFL brings in. If it's not going to them, where is it going? What Roger Goodell gets it, or what the owners get it? Give it to the people that are out there. Yeah, I agree. And you know, everyone idolizes. You know, kids idolize being ball players growing up. They don't idolize being owners or any of that. So, yeah. I have no problem. right. I have no problem. Like, no fourth grader was like, like, "I'd like to own the Jets one day." Right. <laughs> I don't think any human really wants to own the yeah. Jets any day. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. But then you do realize that these are human beings who are really putting their bodies on the line. Um, in in many ways, I know it's not like like military combat, but they are putting their bodies on their line at any time, and you won't have a broken neck. And it's for you know the entertainment of the general public. So the general public should, you know, have this the support of this guy if that's if if this was if this playing a sport he loved, but also playing a sport that we all love to watch. And I think you need to honor that, you know. And what happened was atrocious, and to not be on, on the side if you. You know, like I said, if you feel differently, it's just sick. Like, I agree. Yeah, miss, yeah. But like, like we were saying, hopefully the best for him. He, he's a he's a Pittsburgher who's done well. He's a he's solid had a stellar human season being. in place of a of the Pro Bowler Micah Hyde as well. Absolutely, um, I I can't believe like I remember seeing it, and it's crazy because on that play, I, I was watching the game with my girlfriend, and every time there's like a central guy or like a. Pittsburgh guy, even Miles Sanders, like a, a Woodland Hills guy, like a Whippeal guy. I'll always point him out. And I'm like, you know, this guy played for whoever. Or like, you know, Rob Gronkowski played here. When every time DeMar comes on, I'm like, you know, I'm proud. You know, this is a Pitt guy. This is a, a Central Catholic guy. This is a Western Pennsylvania guy doing the right thing. And seeing him drop, like, it, it would be bad for anybody, but I think it hits harder for guys like us who are here. 
and and knowing how good of a human guys being have, like, DeMar heard is. of him before the incident, you know. Right. Like, yeah. like, like when you say DeMar Hamlin, I'm not picturing the Bills. I'm not even picturing Pitt. I'm picturing a defensive back for Central Catholic in high school. And it almost brings me back, and uh, maybe Pete, this is an irrelevant um, kind of comparison, but when I was in high school at Central, Kyle Wilson played running back for the team, and he had a stroke, and it was just a freak thing. And it's just like it almost brings me back to this. Like I see like a teammate. I see a Central Catholic brother who is you know, on the brink, fighting for his life. And it's just, it's insane. And, and it really does bring back, like, the humanity of it. Mm-hmm. And to the Bills' point, I hope, you know, they there's still playoffs to go. They can uh, look at it. You know, it, it could be a way that, you know, when Chris Henry died, Bengals players say all the time they uh, they just couldn't play out the rest of the season. It really affected them. And I'm hoping for Buffalo's case that's not the case. I really hope they could use him as motivation, just like a couple years ago, if you remember the Steeler game, Ryan Chazier was in attendance up in the press box and they didn't release that till I think like third or fourth quarter. And it just was a booster shot for the Pittsburgh team. And I'm hoping that, you know, they're able to use what happened to DeMar. Hopefully he's okay. But in the meantime, hopefully they're able to use it as a guy to rally around and make, you know, a run at the Super Bowl. That is, that's, I mean, you see some teams react differently. You can, you know, use it to to push yourself forward and you can, you know, it does affect you. And it's like the human element that not a lot of people always see with that. Like you were saying with Shazier, like when he was almost paralyzed on the field in Cincinnati, um, you know, you see this and like it affects people. They're your friends. They're more than just like the the football player you see on TV. Um, So hopefully everything goes well with him. Hopefully it works out like kind of. Shazier, at least you can, you know, live, even if you're not, you know, the same high-quality athlete. Like, at least you'll be, you know, hopefully he spends another day alive. But And also, I want to give a shout-out to the NFL in general for how they handled it. I know kind of the, the easy way out to criticize them, saying that, you know, they should have canceled the game immediately or whatever. Uh, no, like, you, you got to figure things out. A, a guy is getting CPR on the football field. Of course, like the general concern is to make sure this guy is okay. And then it seemed like some public outcry was like offended that they didn't cancel immediately. Look, I think the NFL and everyone knew they weren't going to continue and the coaches, Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott definitely pushed for it. But I mean, there's things too that they had to, you know, make sure was in order. Like, you know, if you're going to, cancel the game is there a potential postponement game um is there you know how do we rework schedules and you know how can we best support demar hamlin in this time um because i know there there was kind of confusion on joe buck's end and i I think he said like they were going to warm up for five minutes and resume play but i heard like conflicting reports that that was never i i think that is just like a basic thing when like there's an injury or there's a break like Uh uh, like an extended break say like the power went out with like the 49ers and Ravens super bowl like (laughs) they're given an allotted time to warm back up so they're saying that so i i think that like and i think joe buck and troy aikman kind of handled it as well as they could have like i think when joe buck said I don't have anything to say kind of thing. Yeah. Like I, I, I respect that because it's like, let's not fill the, the air with bullshit. Like, it's just right. like, I don't know what to say. 
I this isn't expected. I hope he's all right. Let's go to a commercial. And I and I I understand that what you're supposed to cancel it immediately. I feel like they canceled his like that was about as quick as you could cancel yeah. a giant event like that. There's there's people in the stadiums. There's people who have called off. That you know this is an event for all these people. They've paid for parking. They've paid for all this stuff. And it, it's easier said than done. Oh, you should do this. And like mm-hmm. they did do it the right way. And I really do think that they did that. And I do like give credit to Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott and both teams. But I do think that they handled it as well as something like this could occur. It's not like they've they planned for this. They they don't have this, you know, ready to go in your back pocket if somebody, you know, has CPR on the field. And I think that they did it as well as they could have. Yeah, I do too. And um, yeah, first responders, everyone, they're giving him a shot here. And I'm really hoping he's able to fight through. And uh, like you said, like for about an hour of television time, ESPN, it was uh you said Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, them bouncing around to reporters on the field, and it was like like Booger McFarland and um, uh, Ryan Clark and all them in the yeah. back, Susie Kobler and everybody like that. Yeah, I, I with, with Booger McFarland, like you could tell immediately he was upset. Like he, yeah. he was like, I don't know what to say. And Ryan Clark, like I feel like he's a better analyst than he was a safety, and he wasn't a bad safety. Like I feel like when he so speaks, he puts thoughtfulness in it. Clark's great on TV and he kind of has that Tom one voice. You could see like, he knows how to motivate and talk. Um, but yeah, like I was saying those guys, and it was just like maybe an hour or so of t- television where they're just bouncing around and the same people are saying the same things because they're just at a loss of words. Like you don't expect this to happen. Mm-hmm. And when it does, I mean, truthfully, it really is an eye opening, life changing experience. It's really difficult to put you know words into it it's um, it's strange too because it's like what you were saying like you don't want to like you have to kind of talk about it because it's there but like you don't want to change the subject either so it's like let's talk about this like you're demeaning the importance of it so it's like they're kind of in, in especially when they're in you know media they're in espn like there's people watching them you have to do it the right way or you'll be canceled anymore like that's the way that it goes so it's like let's handle this as well as they could and people can complain or about whatever but it's like it's an unprecedented circumstance and i do think all things involved it went as well as they could have right i mean plus like if something happens like you know who how many responders does it take to get to somewhere you know like like, like i heard um you know, on the radio, it was like, if the police or not, if the president has to, the president sometimes needs to call a governor, you need to call a mayor, you need to call a national guard before you're able to get directly to the source. And I mean, fortunately for the NFL, I mean, they had to have all that happen in order to cancel the game, but they also were able to get the first responders and medics out there immediately to make sure within seconds, this guy was being treated because without it, like, you know, if, if that was on, you know, a team plane or something, we're thinking of a totally different story here. Yeah, it is. It's just scary. And, and like I said, we'll move on in a second. But like it, it is, I, I think it went as well. Prayers for Demar and, and everything yeah. with that. It is. And, I, and, and I do think scene. that I, I don't know for sure. And we're in Pittsburgh, so we're used to having like UPMC and, you know, everything like that. We have really, really solid medical uh, teams and just uh, education and systems in Pittsburgh. And I'm pretty sure Cincinnati has a pretty solid medical program. So it's good to see Hamlin in an area with like a quality medical program. And I do think I, I was reading earlier that I, and, you know, 
it's an AFC North guy, but Zach Taylor was there, um, you know, checking on DeMar in the hospital. That's something that, like, you know, you don't have to do. And I, and I do. I, I really have a lot of respect for Zach Taylor. Yeah, I do, too. This is clearly bigger than football. And I think all parties, all 32 teams understand. And uh, even out, sorry to interrupt, but outside of football, even you see you see the NHL doing this. You see like a lot of sports. The Buffalo Sabres were wearing, you know, yeah. uh, pray for number three. But you see this in, in a lot I of sports. The Detroit Red Wings tweet something, too. And it's like there's no correlation there. You know, right, and it's reaching the masses. It's it's bigger than that, and it's you know it's it's a human being's life, and 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 they'll you know people will say, oh, it's an NFL player, it's it's somebody of notoriety, but like it is a human life, so let's not almost punish them because of that. And th- those are the same people that you know maybe they don't like sports, but if their favorite actor or politician suffered the same consequences, they'd be crying about it, despite them also being millionaires, and that's yeah. because. It's a human life, like, end of story. Like, right. <laughs> every human life that's, you know, dying should be treated and taken seriously. And you shouldn't be, you know, saying just because they're a football player that makes millions or something, you should be less sympathetic. That's that's absolutely absurd. I agree. Absolutely. But, but th- this, too, also, this is the same field, not only with Hamlin, but same field, too, with Tua earlier in the year mm-hmm. and Antonio Brown and Ryan Shazier as well. These are guys that like, like anymore. Like you see back in the sixties and stuff with, or you know, whenever with Bart Starr and you know the Packers that are super good, uh, Horning and uh, Taylor and stuff on the Packers. But like those guys weren't running four two and six eight and and two hundred and ninety pounds. Like I was looking, uh, uh, what's his name? The fullback for the for the Ravens. Uh, yeah, Patrick Ricard. Yeah, Ricard. He he's six foot three, three hundred and eleven pounds, and he's a fullback. Wow. Yeah, I like they said that on TV, and I was like, no, he's not. I have to look that up. Six foot three, three hundred and eleven pounds. Three hundred and eleven pounds is insane for a fullback. Like yeah, th- these I mean, are huge human bird. beings. Yeah, huge. And yeah, plus, like, even back in those days, like 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s when the game was more physical and guys are, you know, you, every generation says the previous one was softer or whatever it is. But regardless of the time period in the NFL, and I know the game's, you know, as safe as it's ever been, even though it's still brutal. I mean, even back in those days, when the days where you hear about people playing through injury and all this, you never heard about a guy receiving CPR. Like, this is definitely a whole nother issue Yeah, on a whole nother level. And, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers and whatever's needed for the kid, you know, I'm hoping, you know, you know, you know, get out, donate to his cause and, you know, support him in any way you can. That's, that'd be, you know, support the family and, you know, in any, any way possible is the best thing you could do right now. I agree. Uh, prayers for Demar, and you know, hopefully a quick recovery or any recovery. Really, you know, time isn't the issue. Hopefully, the quality uh, returns. Now, we are doing the sports show, JP, so we do have to talk about. Uh, you know, let's talk about some Steelers Ravens. So we were just. Uh, it looks like the Steelers are still uh, playoff bound, or not bound, but like there's some <laughs> potential there if. Uh, well, you know what? I guess we needed the Bills to beat the Patriots, so who knows how that'll go. 
Well, and um, I was like, so I'm having a little bit of like, you know, PTSD or deja vu from last year. The Steelers from the same position where they like needed a win and, you know, a couple scenarios to have to make the playoffs and they snuck in. And the crazy thing is this year, if I had to take the Steelers or Browns this week, I do think the Steelers would win. Mm-hmm. If I had to take the Patriots or Bills, I would take the Bills. If I take the Jets or Dolphins, I think I would lean towards the Jets, which would get the Steelers <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. However, I don't see a three for three parlay going. I, I agree. And I feel like that hits on more people now than ever when you're like, okay, I just need to hit a parlay. And it's like if you had this week and that week, but like everything last week hit. So this week they they need to have it. And maybe it's likely like that happens, but I feel like it's just as likely that the Jets win, the the Bills win, and then the Steelers lose. They'll find yeah. a way to lose. <laughs> like that's the most Steeler thing they could do. Yeah, if if, if they're are going to go two out of three, I think the Steelers losing is most likely the one that would happen. Yeah, um, yeah, they're like all, all year, last two or three years, it's just Steelers. They remain competitive in games against bad teams. And then they find a way to sneak it out at the end with a field goal or whatever, winning games 12 to 10 or yeah. whatever it is. And then when they play competitive teams, they just get blown away. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. So I, 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 I need them, like, I would like to see a team that's able to put up more points if they want to be competitive with the Buffaloes and Kansas Cities. But it just seems like, you know, two and a half years now. They need to find some sort of identity because this one isn't good enough. What did you take away from the Steelers to Ravens game? I, I thought the Steelers looked relatively decent. And I was saying, like I was saying uh, when we were watching uh, the Bills-Bengals game, I was watching it with my girlfriend. And at the end, I was like, you know what? It was, it was uh, Maybe it was, it was not the last drive. It was when Pickett had it and they were driving down and they punted. I was like, if they stop them and Pickett finds a way to drive down, this is like where he earns kind of his reputation, his legend. Mm-hmm. Like this is the situation where like you make or break. This will show, and at least yep. prove to me if he's if he's a franchise quarterback, if he's worth kind of going forward with. Because I was kind of in the air, like okay, I like Pickett. I like him because he's a pit guy. I like him because he's kind of a local guy. I like him because I kind of like the way that he plays. I I I, I have nothing against him. But is he a franchise quarterback going forward, or did they kind of reach for him? And when I see something like this, he drove downfield with such poise, and I feel like that's something you can't really see in the combine. He had such poise. He figured it out. And Nashi Harris's catch at the end, don't sleep on that. That was a heck of a hand catch because you see a lot of running backs, you know, they'll catch it with their body, they'll catch it, pull it in, and as a swing, on a, that was fourth down, right? Yeah, or it was fourth or time would have expired. Yeah, yeah I think it, it was fourth. I think it was fourth because I feel like it was their last play. And Pickett kind of broke out of a sack, rolled out, and it was almost Roethlisberger-esque the way that he broke out of the tackle. Not like a giant guy shaking some guy off. But, you know, the guy was pulling on his jersey. He broke out and hit Najee Harris with a fucking dime. And Najee pulled it in with great hands and just... That was a make-or-break situation. If he doesn't do it, maybe people don't pile on him because he's a rookie still. But if you do pull it out, 
you're almost, you know, it builds the legend almost. And I, I love seeing that. Yeah. And there's a lot, lots to take away that you said that I, I like, I think, uh, uh, Kenny Pickett, just like in general, you see, I'm seeing glimpses a little bit of what you see in Joe Burrow. Now uh-huh. he's not as dynamic, obviously, but I meant it in terms of poise that you mentioned in, you know, calmness that he did just driving down the field for not only against the Ravens, but he's done it two weeks in a row now where he's led game winning tribes. Um, and that's something that, you know, at Pitt, you know, I was really concerned with um, him holding on to the ball too long and not being athletic enough. But what you see saw at Pitt was him able to expand, expand plays and make the throws downfield. And we were able to see glimpses of that. I think this past couple weeks, um, I would like to see them win shootouts more, you know, 31 to 28 rather than 16 to 13. Cause I feel like we're seeing a lot of Steeler football where it's sloppy through three and a half quarters where they, you know, maybe connected on a couple field goals and got a touchdown on a short drive drive because the defense bailed them out. And, you know, I, I want to see them to more consistently put up points to avoid situations like that. But if you're, like you said, if you're putting drives together, it really adds that legacy or game-winning drives. It really adds that like status, like you said about Pickett. And um, I think the past couple of weeks, when you know the game's on the line and all the chips are in, he's played the best football. You know, those have been the best drives he's had in both games. Was you know his last opportunity for football. I think that's one of the things you see in a guy like that when you draft him. It's just like, do they have? the it factor like it's something you can't really measure it's Mm -hmm. intangible do they have it do they have like when the game is on the line do they want the ball kind of thing and yeah i i feel like that's kind of a classic Steeler ravens game like even when roethlisberger's thrown for five thousand yards like i feel like the ravens games are always like hard hitting and like you could skip a Steelers raven game until the final seven minutes and like that's when it's still relevant yeah right yeah, and um, this this one did have a little bit of an old school feel to it, even without uh, Lamar Jackson. And so I know Ravens were definitely wounded at quarterback. But um, the, my main takeaway from this game is, you know, Kenny Pickett had 168 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. Is that great by any means? No. Is that game manager numbers? Yeah, you could argue that. But you can win football games with those numbers at your quarterback if you play defense the way they did and you run the football the way they did. You you they see were. them, you saw them running with uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren in the backfield, and it seemed to have some success. Yeah, so they uh, totaled just under 200 yards as a team. Jalen Warren um, averaged 6.3 yards a touch, 12 carries for 76. Najee had his first 100-yard game of the season, clocking in a buck 11 off 22 attempts. And most importantly, Najee's best play of the day, you could argue, outside of the game-winning touchdown, wasn't even a run. It was the play on third and one where Pickett QB sneaked it, and he was able oh, yeah. to run him forward. Do you see that so much more, like the rugby kind of scrum? Like, And I feel like Pickett's good at it because – and and you know I don't want to give Matt Canada any kind of credit, but it's it's I don't think it's him that invented it. But you see some of these quarterbacks that don't just dive after the center. Like when he did that, he kind of went off the right guard. Yeah, yeah, Pickett's looked good in the sneak, and you know for the first time all year, I will give Canada some credit in this one. I thought they called some plays that were 
different and they worked like like you can't argue with the run game they had this week um warren was making plays Najee was out of the backfield as well and um i really like the other call on another third and one where they sent connor hayward in motion mm-hmm. and then off to the weak side um they they did a sweep around with Derek watt with Najee in the backfield so you have hayward and um Watt, I guess, playing like like the wing position just outside of the offensive tackles, but mm-hmm. you know, they're staggered, kind of like and the tight they, end that's back of step, right? And they send, uh, like I said, Hayward in motion, thinking the end run may go to him, but when he passes and they snap it, you definitely think it's going to nausea out of the backfield, but you know, off the wing, Watt took it, and I just felt like it was a very, um, you know, it was it was a creative way of doing a, a fullback. I guess like um, not a die or a uh, stretch. Yeah, yeah, get fullback stretch. It, it was if I remember if I remember correctly, uh, it was Derek Watt, and they they kind of they did they sent him in motion. He was kind of on the left side, staggered, and went mm-hmm. to the right side. And I agree with you a hundred percent. Like I. I I don't like the end rounds I, uh, and all that stuff, but in that, the misdirection and then Derek Watt, which was like, holy shit, Canada called something that was good and Derek Watt did something? Oh, my <laughs> God. It's okay. That's 800 you know, it's $8 million worth of stuff right there. It's finally paying off in week 17 or whatever against the Ravens. <laughs> like, uh, I don't love the end rounds either, but that, that call, that was set up beautifully. And, I mean, it was – defense was on their um, heels. They didn't expect anything coming from Watt. And, I mean, the misdirection was there. And, uh, you know, you, you don't call that unless it's third and one. And yeah. that's all you needed was the yard. And a call like that's going to get you a couple every time if the defense is on their heels and not ready for it. Maybe Matt Canada's offense is just, you know how, like, in a single game you might set up the you, – you run the ball to set up the pass – Maybe it takes 15 weeks for Matt Canada's stupid offense to pay off where, you know, where the end arounds are like, you know what? They only run three plays and, you know, it's the end around. And all of a sudden they're giving it to $4 million Derek Watt and all this stuff. Maybe maybe that's the, the medicine they needed all year. It's like on Madden when you can't stop the run. So you call like a fake field goal. Or like or you call the uh, like field goal block to blitz everyone knowing they can't possibly call another play because all they do is three different things yeah and then all of a sudden at the end they can move the ball they like they they uh hassle you for three and a half quarters yeah is really what it looks like you know even looking on last year for office this year pick it it looks like they're the worst team in the league for three and a half quarters and all of a sudden in panic mode they're able to move the ball yeah it's like just start the game the way you finish the game and you'll win some yeah, <laughs> but that's what I was alluding to earlier. It's like I, I like they're finding ways to win, but sixteen to thirteen, when that's the general consensus in an offensive-driven NFL nowadays, I, I'd like to see more game, more shootouts. You win, you know, thirty-five to thirty-one or something. You know, I feel like that is what you normally see, but I think there's something different about Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, I mean these are teams that are built on physicality generally when these teams are even, it's a team that's more physical that wins. It's not necessarily the game plan. And uh, fortunately for the Steelers' sake, they were the more physical team in the run game. Um, Dobbins uh, had 93 on the ground, but uh, 
outside him, they were able to keep, you know, Gus Edwards wasn't able to get loose this week. They didn't even use Justice Hill in the run game mm -hmm. um, at all, or Kenyon Drake. But, you know, Huntley, they held to 24 on the ground and only a buck 30 through the air. And, um, you know, that they were able to make Baltimore, they forced them into only using Mark Andrews, who had himself a day. But right. <laughs> if you're able to, yeah, if you're able to utilize um, the, the run game and then make, you know, the wide receiver position irrelevant in your football games, you're, you're going to win a lot. And, um, I mean, just, they just, they were more physical in the run game and defensively as well. I mean, they were able, they only had one sack, but they were able to get pressure. And uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was able to steal it with a game-winning interception. Yeah. You know, they weren't making big plays on defense, but they were consistently forcing the Ravens to punt. I mean, I, I think that's also saying a lot to Huntley. Like, he's a solid backup, but he's a backup. Like, if Lamar Jackson was in, is it the same story? Who knows? I do agree. Like, Mark Andrews is their stud on offense. I mean, if I was game planning around them, I'd, I'd stop the run for sure. But, like, in the passing game, like, Mark Andrews is the only real threat. I know that backup tight end, likely or whatever, had a touchdown. He doesn't scare me. Mike, Mark Andrews is, is probably behind Travis Kelsey. He might be the best tight end in the AFC. I think he's the best tight end in the NFL outside of Kelsey, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, he's he's an absolute playmaker, whether they do have Lamar Jackson or not. And uh, he's their best uh, playmaker in offense um, outside of Lamar. You know, they don't really have the big stud receivers. They have a rotation at running back. They're built more on Lamar than physicality. And, um, you know, Andrews is one of those guys that's able to beat you as a tight end in the pass game or as a blocker in the run game. He's a definitely a special player. Yeah. And and they, and they showed this is kind of separate from that. They were showing during the game how uh you know some of the the rivalries over the years with the Ravens and they were showing, you know, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, uh Heinz Ward, Jerome Bettis, people like that. And then at the end they were showing Terrell Suggs and Ben Roethlisberger. And I feel like those two guys really, you know, they they sum up the 2010s kind of of mm -hmm. of the Steelers Ravens the rivalries. Suggs his credit too, because generally when you think of those teams, it was always Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. I feel like Suggs was every bit as good as Ray Lewis towards the end there. And I feel like Suggs was like the best like counterpart for Roethlisberger. Like it was always interesting. Like sometimes Suggs did win and, and got the sack, but sometimes Roethlisberger brushed them off and got a Super Bowl, like that kind of stuff. And like, and I feel like the Ravens winning a Super Bowl, the Steelers winning a Super Bowl or whatever, like with, with a good rivalry, you know, you see the Pittsburgh Cleveland rivalry. Is it a rivalry? Cause Cleveland has sucked for forever and maybe they have one or two wins a, a year, but Roethlisberger fucking owned them. Um, mm -hmm. and I, and, and I feel like with the Steelers and Ravens, like every single game, regardless of how good they are, regardless of who's on the team, Steelers Ravens is a great game. And I feel like Collinsworth said it a week before and he said it during the game, Pittsburgh and Baltimore is the best game if in the NFL, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really has been for almost a decade, probably more, um, it's just, if you like physicality, defense, run the football, and then a bit of offensive explosion at the end, it's the perfect game. At year in and year out, it's always been that way with these teams, regardless of you know 
who's under center. And um, I, I, I um, also want to say, you know, back to those the legends part, I think Suggs was just, you know, from a Pittsburgh fan, he was the perfect kryptonite to that team, along with Hawadi Nada. Um, I remember one time that they called a screen and Suggs, like, knew the play and picked it off. And I think he, he either returned it or was close to returning it for a touchdown. And you could just tell, like he said, like he knew the call. He knew it was coming. And Terrell Suggs against any other team, you don't s- see that happen. And, um, you know, generally throughout the course of the year, maybe Ray Lewis played better against other teams, but against the Steelers and only against the Steelers, I feel like Terrell Suggs was their best player just based on from what I've watched in Steeler Raven games. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I feel like Ray, uh, but I also feel like it's different between the middle linebacker and the outside linebacker. Like the outside linebacker gets sack in the flashy play, where Ray Lewis is just consistent in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, but I, I do I, think yeah. that Suggs is a bigger kind of like villain or antithesis to the Steelers. Like for everything the Steelers were doing, the counterpart was Terrell Suggs. And mm-hmm. as much as I hate the Ravens and stuff, like I respect. That like, like I do too. Like, like you like to have a good bad guy, and they and they filled the role. Mm-hmm. And from them, Steelers were the bad guy. I mean, James right. Harris, yeah, yeah, Harrison yeah. was not well liked by any means. Yeah, um, Ryan Clark was never afraid to lay the hammer either. And um, it was just such a great rival for so long, you know. And oh man, I I, I miss those guys. But like you said, I I, I respect I, I respect those guys a lot. Uh, Nada, Suggs, Reed. I mean, they, they were dynamic. Um, I think Joe Flacco was pretty underrated too for a minute. Um, uh, Marshall and uh, you know, Ravens yeah, just yeah. very underrated crew there. And I mean, they, they were the most physical team along with the Steelers for a while. They only had one Super Bowl, but it's tough to win Super Bowls when Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are yeah. in the conference all this time. I feel like that's kind of one of the things. Like the AFC North just beat up on everybody, and then either Brady or Manning came in. Mostly Brady. <laughs> yeah, but Brady's cost a lot of people a lot of Super Bowls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's Colts, for sure. Steelers, Ravens, all of them. Now Everyone I'm gonna ask. Like. I'm gonna ask you this question before we get into the, some Browns talk in the final game of the regular season. Will Deontay Johnson score a touchdown this year? <laughs> I'm going to go out and I'm going to say no. Uh, just gen- the Steelers don't, they score less than like most. What was the diff earlier in the year? They, they the scored differential. the amount of touchdowns up to like a certain point. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't see them putting up like in this. But let's say they score 21 points or so. Let's say they score three touchdowns, which I think is more than generous. I think one or two of them are coming on the ground, and if we're throwing one, it's not going to Deontay Johnson. He's just not a red zone threat compared to the other guys, and I think odds are in my favor when I say no touchdown. Yeah, I agree. We were talking about the point differential, the net points. Uh, The Steelers are the worst in the AFC North at minus 52. I'm going to look at the stats right now. Uh, let's see who's worse than the AFC minus 52. Oh, minus 137. The Colts, I think they might be the worst. Uh, at least they're better than the Colts, who are on quarterback number 12. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I think the Colts, I think the Colts and the Texans are the two worst teams. 
Which really show, like, the Jaguars are the only team in the AFC South who have had more points than the points given up. Everyone all year was talking crap in the NFC South when they're quietly exactly the same as the AFC South. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is with the South, but they're all trash. Like, the Buccaneers are winning their division at 8-8, eight and eight, and the AFC South, the Jaguars are winning their division at 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> So if you combine the division leaders, um, they have like three more wins than the Eagles. You know what? The NFC South is actually better if you really look at it because the AFC South is eight. The best is eight wings wins from J- the Jaguars. Texans have seven. Colts have four. Texans have two. If you look at the NFC South, the ba- the the Buccaneers have eight. Then the Saints have seven which is the same as the Titans. And then their third-place team, where the Colts and Texans have four and two, they have six and six. So, like, the the basement for them. Like, maybe the ceiling is the same, but the basement is a lot higher. So, the yeah. AFC South is really the worst division in the, in the NFL. <laughs> I, I love that despite the open tank by the Colts, Houston's going to be having the number one pick, and the Colts will be playing Bryce Young twice a year anyway, <laughs> yeah. regardless. The Texans just can, like, consistently suck. Yeah, and I've heard rumors that maybe they should just take a pass rusher and then tank again next year for Caleb Williams. Which I feel like they they took a pass rusher with Mario Williams, Jadavian Clowney, and like they're still trash. So maybe JJ Watt just just take a quarterback. Like that's the only answer. I mean, yeah, I, I would take I would take Bryce Young if I was picking first. That's who they should pick. And it's funny that the Colts are going to miss out despite openly tanking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> new Dolphins. No. Um, <laughs> Next but, year is the year to tank anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, Caleb Williams I'm, I'm real big on. I think, I think Bryce Young will be solid, but I think Williams is the next guy to – you know, ha- ha- have your eye on. So he you don't, Twitch you don't mean this but, draft. You mean the following draft. Following draft, yeah. He's kind of like Roethlisberger's size, but has a little bit of Mahomes twitch to him. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited to see see him. All right, JP. Let's uh, let's move along to a little uh, Steelers Browns. What are you expecting from this game? Um, I think it, it, it could go either way, but I am leaning towards the Steelers. This is generally what happens every. Every year they play the Browns last week. Steelers generally come away with the W, and I just think they're a better football team right now. Um, the Browns with Deshaun Watson just haven't been comfortable. Like when they played Houston, they were able to get away with a W on defensive touchdowns, and then against um, I forget Cleveland played a uh, uh, Commanders last week, and um, Deshaun Watson. It's funny because I have Amari Cooper in my fantasy league who ended up with three catches for two touchdowns and 105 yards. So I think if, if you take out Amari Cooper, uh, Deshaun Watson threw for under 70 yards. I think he had like touchdown. nine completions all day. Yeah, nine to 18, for, yeah. but he had three touchdowns. And like I said, I just feel like he's not comfortable yet adjusting to NFL on a new team years away from the game. And honestly, I think the Browns, their whole identity right now is going to have to rely on Nick Chubb to find a W. And offensive line for the Browns, as talented as they are, that they struggled against the Commanders last week. I understand they have a dynamic defensive line in Washington, 
But Steelers got a pretty solid pass rush too, and I think they'll be able to make Deshaun Watson uncomfortable. And I think that if they're able to contain Nick Chubb, even if you surrender 100 yards and a touchdown to Chubb, I think you can overcome that because they're just not moving the ball in the passing game. And I think the Steelers should be able to put up enough points, I think, to defeat Cleveland this week. I'll tell you what, in the most recent game, I, I'm kind of in, in the run-stopping game, I feel like Robert Spillane kind of looked pretty decent in the last game. Yeah, they, he was getting major shout-outs um, this past week. And uh, honestly, I feel like he's played Evan Bush just as good as Miles Jack. So, you know, and when you get a guy like that who's a seventh-rounder, I believe, with a chip on his shoulder, yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes they play better than the first-rounders who just – just don't care as much or whatever it is. I don't know if it's a effort thing or a talent thing with Bush, but Spillane's been better. Devin Bush has just been such a disappointment. Yeah, I don't understand really what it is because he had a promising start. I don't know if it's like injuries that just like Michigan is not like a like a, a Division three school. It's not a MAC school. Michigan is a, as as big as it gets. He was a stud at Michigan. He's playing Ohio State, Penn State. He's playing huge, huge schools. He's just disappointing. Yeah, and I, I remember when they drafted him, I saw some of his film, and uh, it seemed like a, a lot of me at Michigan, he wasn't initiating contact to tackle the ball carrier, but it seemed like more often than not, he was waiting for the ball carrier to come to him and then mm-hmm. make the play. I am i don't know, know if that's translating to what we've seen in the NFL, but... It's just past coverage he struggled in, and support in the run game has been atrocious the past couple of it years. It does. He I, feels like he, like you were just saying, he waits for them to come to him. Like, he stays there. He's not attacking the ball. He's not making plays. Like, he's just he's just there. Mm-hmm. Or Spillane, who's not dynamic, but, you know, he, he has a set on him. He's willing to run to the hole. He's willing to, you know, try to make those hits, it seems like. Do you think when... there's no chance Devin Bush ever tries to hit Derrick Henry on the goal line? There's no chance uh, Devin Bush tries to stop a run in any situation or even runs to him. Well, yeah, that's true. It's like, and defenses pick up on that. They understand the Steelers off the edge or dynamic with Watt and Highsmith's had a good year. So easiest um, alternatives just to run up the gut against a guy like Devin Bush, who has just been a bust his first five years in the league. He's not making plays, whether it's on the goal line or, you know, at anywhere. He can pass game, run game. It's just, he's just been been a disappointment. They traded up to get him um, 10 spots earlier. Um, I think it cost him a one and a three or maybe, no, it was one and a two actually that year. And it's been disappointing. Yeah, for sure. I feel like... Uh... At least with him, like, maybe you can pass on Spillane. And, like, the Steelers haven't been good about guarding the middle of the field between the hashes, between the numbers even. Uh, while Spillane can't really cover the pass, he he can stop the run pretty solidly, where Devin Bush yeah. just can't do anything. Right, yeah, he does struggle in pass coverage as well. But, you know, you see more effort on his part. And I think Tomlin's definitely a big effort guy, Hart. And um, I, I think that Spillane's putting in – putting in more than Bush. Yeah, I agree. Um, JP, uh, what are your th- final thoughts on Cleveland? Do you think the Steelers leave with a win? And then we'll get into your picks. I think the Steelers do do come away with a win here. I think that they're going to um, 
get, get after Watson. Like I said, Steelers are a whole different team when Watt is healthy and in the lineup. I think Watson's still adjusting. And uh, Steelers coming off two big wins right now. They're at home. Tomlin, like, oh, they're, they're, they may reach their goal. Yeah. He may <laughs> have that winning season. And I think that's what they're playing for. That's the most important thing. <laughs> plus, yeah, I, I, I like the Steelers at, at home just in general. I think that um, Cleveland's became, uh, honestly, I like the Steelers' chances better right now if Watson under center than Brissett. I think that if Brissett's under center, Cleveland can win this game. Oh, really? You just think because of the kind of like the, the uh, rapport he has with the rest of the team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this Browns team, like even Amari Cooper is still in year one. Um, you know, th- there's just not many snaps that Watson's had of these guys, um, whether it's the offensive line getting in, you know, moving around the pocket with those guys up front or even getting some continuity going with these receivers. It's just offense has been very, very slow with Cleveland since Deshaun Watson's taken over. And um, I think the Steelers are going to be able to expose it, keep them in a low-scoring game. I kind of like the Steelers here. I would say maybe like 16 to 7, maybe 16 to 10. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I- I'm expecting a, a lower-scoring game here, and I think the Steelers are going to uh, come away with one. Brown's defense also n- not has n- not been very dominant outside of Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, but I, I, I like our matchup. They do put Ward on George Pickens. Pickens is um, a different type of receiver that can, he, he's more of a physical player. Whereas I feel like Ward matches up better with uh, the, the speedsters or the pure number ones, a guy that's more physical. I think that um, whether it's Greedy Williams or Ward or whoever's Gordon Pickens, I like his matchup this week too. George Pickens had a, had a hell of a catch in the last game. And I feel like he's absolutely the best receiver on the Steelers right now. And, well, Deontay Johnson, to his credit, though, I did want to mention, he has played well the past couple weeks despite not scoring a touchdown. And I think that, um, you know, secondary for Cleveland's not very good. I think the Steelers have some playmakers that can move the ball, extend drives. I don't know if they're going to put up points, but I like them to extend drives. And, um, you know, in defensive situations, I like their chances against a struggling Browns offense right now. That seems to be the thing with the Steelers. Like, they seem to be moving the ball a lot better, and then they get into the 20, and then they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they do generally beat bad teams this year. And Cleveland has – they're not a playoff team. So Steelers could find a way to pull this out. All right, JP. Uh, let's get into your picks then. All right. All right, let's start with... Number one. All right, this is my first pick. I had um, four picks that I wanted them to get to the fifth pick. I'm just going to share this one first. Um, I don't like this game, and I can't believe I'm actually really touching it, but there's no better choice than them. (laughs) (laughs) Houston is plus two and a half against Indianapolis, and I'm going to take the Colts minus two and a half. Okay. Um, Two of the worst teams in the NFL easily. No desire in watching this game. However, Houston needs to lose for the number one pick in the draft. I think they're going to come in here very half speed in some way. I I think they're looking to maintain that number one pick. Minnesota's playing Chicago and will be playing their backups. Chicago will be out. Justin Fields, he's going to miss this week. 
Houston knows Convenient. they need to lose this to maintain the number one pick. So they're going to lose. Texans actually haven't beaten the Colts anyway since 2019, and they haven't beaten them on the road since 2018. Their last meeting was a 20-20 to 20 tie, but the Colts did have over 500 yards and 33 first downs in that game. Is Davis Mills suddenly going to get COVID or something? <laughs> I never know. Maybe. Wait a minute. <laughs> Houston also is 30th in yards allowed per game. So I think the Colts will be able to move the ball despite their short upcomings. Um, Matt Ryan's still a better quarterback than Davis Mills. I think the Colts, you know, Michael Pittman had himself a day when they first met. I, I think the Colts are still a better team. Jeff Saturday, definitely not going to be their coach next year, but I, I think he is capable of beating a Lovey Smith team right now who, you know, their team has just been bottled with a barrel. Um, I, I like Colts by at least a field goal in this one. All right, then. Let's, uh, let's move to... Number two. For this one, I mentioned it briefly earlier, but I'm going to take the Jets. They were plus one earlier in the day, but now they've moved to minus one against the Dolphins. Um, I, I think they realize Skylar Thompson will be under center, not Teddy Bridgewater. Seems to be the way it's trending now that he dislocated his pinky last week. Um, and the Jets, you know, it's practically a money line game. And Dolphins this year have not won a single game without Tua. Oh, really? I think, yeah. I think the their, um, Jets have a lot of playmakers, and they're a talented team. And um, Dolphins have been slacking lately. They're, they've, they win oh, five or six games in a row, then they lose the same amount in a row. And right now they're on a slump. I understand everyone's going to say, oh, they're fighting for the playoffs. Yeah, I think a divisional opponent who has nothing to lose is scarier than a divisional opponent fighting for a playoff right now. Um, Jets are seventh in the NFL in sacks, and Sauce Gardner, my rookie of the year pick, yeah. he, he's going to match up with either Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, forcing um, Thompson to look the other way. I caught glimpses of Thompson last week, and he looked uncomfortable in the pocket the whole day. Jets got a pretty good pass rush, and I like the Jets to upset the Dolphins this week. Oh, we're hoping so for sure. It's uh, it would definitely help the Steelers out in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I I think the Jets Jets could pull this out. I think team likes playing for Mike White. Dolphins don't really know what they have in Thompson right now. And uh, if the Jets just don't make mistakes, I think that they can win this game. I feel like this might be the biggest year of just like. Almost bad quarterbacks. Like there, there's so many quarterbacks who are like, nope, they don't scare me at all. Like I feel like back in you know even a decade ago when it's just like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, like those are just AFC guys. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, there's solid quarterbacks. Now, like who the hell scares you from Miami? Who scares you? Like even when Tua's playing, does he scare you? I I don't care. The team does, but the quarterback doesn't. Right, I, I I like Mike McDaniel's a lot. I like Tyreek Hill. I like Jalen Waddle. I, I you know I like the the Miami roster, but does it, it comes down to the quarterback play almost more often than not? And like Tua just, I I get that Tua wins at every level, but I feel like this is kind of his uh, Tim Tebow won at every level. You know, it's kind of like one of those things. He's no Tim Tebow. He's a lot better than that, but uh, I don't know that he's like you know your star quarterback going forward. 
and it's kind of it's tough to be sold on a distributor when you see so many playmakers at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even like like Joe Burrow is a great distributor of the football, but right. it seems like he's still never in conversations of Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, even though he's you know he's undefeated against the Chiefs. Like, yeah. uh huh. And even Pickett, you see, and Tua, it's just it's really hard to be sold on distributors, but. Uh, over the playmakers, but I mean, you can look at what's going on in San Fran. There's plenty of guys who aren't, you know, built like Mahomes and Allen who are. Yeah. All right, JP, let's move along to number number three. For it, Kansas City minus nine and a half against Vegas. You're taking Kansas City? I'm going to take Kansas City. I think they can Nine and a half is a huge here. spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason is uh, Mahomes is 8-1 and one in his career versus the Raiders, averaging over 300 yards, almost three touchdowns every meeting. Um, Stedham will be under center for the Raiders again. He played well this week despite throwing a couple interceptions. But I think uh, Kansas City is going to get after him with Chris Jones up front. Vegas's O-line struggled all year. And the Chiefs are looking for that, that top seed. Um, and I think they're a team that's going to come out and, you know, look to get – I think they're a team that can come out firing. They won't panic the way I think Miami will because, I mean, Kansas City's prepared each and every week. They're uh, fourth in sacks while Vegas is 30th in sacks. And Vegas has also surrendered the fourth most passing yards all season. I think that Kansas City's going to come away with a big W here. And uh, Vegas after Jim Carr performed well last week, but – it seems like there's a lot of people are unhappy in the locker room. I think Kansas City is going to make a statement this week. I can totally see that. Ten or nine and a half is a is a lot, but like I, I could totally see the the Chiefs winning thirty five to ten. Right. Like I I feel like every time Mahomes has the ball, they can score points. Every time Stidham has the ball, they're lucky to get a couple first downs. Do you see Mahomes actually playing in this game? I think he will because they're looking to get the top seed. Now at halftime, if they're up by 20 or so, they may pull him. But I think they're going to play him at least until they're comfortable enough to get a W here. I think that top seed is really what they're looking for. Arrowhead's a very difficult place to play in the playoffs, and I think that they want to lock up that top seed. Um, this has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but I was looking at this earlier, and it had the Chargers in 2010. They were number one on offense. They were the number one ranked defense, and they didn't finish for the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's crazy to even think about. They were 9-7 and seven with Norv Turner. They had two all-pros with Eric Weddle and uh, Antonio Gates. They were the number one ranked offense, number one ranked defense, and they didn't qualify for the playoffs. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, I don't even know how that like happens unless like you're just – pounding on horrible teams and then barely losing to good teams or something. Yeah, it, it says they had the worst <laughs> special teams in the league by a lot. <laughs> they, they had the worst? Yeah, it's in, it, it says it seemed like they had a touchdown, a return touchdown against them every game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a third of the game. I guess I'll do it to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, well, that's crazy. Special teams is a third of the game. If you ask anybody who plays special teams, yeah, <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a tenth of the game. But I I understand that you think it's a third, but it's a tenth. 
Yeah, I understand. And that was my argument for no Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame despite popularity belief. Do you, you think no Devin Hester? Do you think returner should be its own position? Because I do think he was the best returner ever. He is the best returner ever, easily. And even if you make it a position, I don't necessarily... Like, we have one kicker and one punter in the NFL. Maybe we get one... If we have to let one in, it's Devin Hester. I just don't necessarily think what he did, you know, accumulated two wins to his team necessarily. Yeah. He had, I don't know how many returns he had. Do you think if the Bears won the Super Bowl over the Colts he's in with that opening kickoff touchdown? Do I think they win? Do, do you think with, that he's in the Hall of Fame if they win that game? Oh, uh, if they win? No, like I, I, I still... I'm kind of on the fence about it. I just feel like how many returns does he have? It, we looked; it was more than I thought. It was like 15 or something. He is. Like, I think he's like 13 or something like that. I'll, I'll look like while you talk. We'll say 13 career touchdowns. I just don't think that's enough to get you in the Hall of Fame, even though I know they're return touchdowns. I just don't think like that accumulated to wins for that team at all. No, maybe a couple here and there, but I don't, I don't. I feel like you said it's a tenth of the game, and if you're great at that tenth of the game. It's still only seven points, you know, every eight games or whatever. It, it says uh, Devin Hester has 20 return touchdowns. He holds the most. Uh, he holds a number of NFL records, including the most combined special teams return touchdowns, 20. Most punt return touchdowns, 14. And most touch return uh, punt return touchdowns in a season, four. And the fastest touchdown in Super Bowl history for 14 seconds. So you could argue 20 is a lot. And you, there's an argument for it, but if you show me a list of all the other nominees, I don't think Hester jumps any of them. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I feel like as a kick returner, uh, well, and I feel like that kind of just shows how like people don't think special teams is a third of the game. If you genuinely thought special teams was a third of the game, there'd be more kick returners and more punters and more long snappers and shit like that. But nobody gives a shit about them because they, they it's not it's not sexy. It's not you know mm-hmm. you know it's not a four two guy. It's not anything like that. I mean, for Devin Hester, it is, but for not for the kickers and stuff. And I feel like he just dumb. Maybe he didn't play long enough. I don't know. But like for the era he played in, nobody was like him. And I do think maybe that number would be bigger if they didn't kick away from him sometimes. I guarantee half the punts were out yeah. of bounds. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they were. They were kicked away from him. He was definitely someone to be feared. Um, But, like, I, I understand, like, a lot of his game, you could just kick the ball for a touchback or punt the ball out of bounds. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you have his name on a list, like, I could never be like, Let's skip Ty Law. Let's put Devin Hester in. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I agree with you with that. Like, certain guys, like, except especially, like, Ty Law, somebody like that, like, who was a shutdown corner who played, you know, decades at a high level and was a guy like that. I, I'm not even comparing the two. Ty Law deserves it over him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like an immeasurable position, I feel like. Yeah. Uh if you put him as a kick returner, I'm not fighting against it. But if you're like, okay, I can only put five guys in, and every year he goes up, and it's like some other guys, it's like, eh, is he really at that level? Right. That's kind of how I feel because he is the best returner of all time. So maybe he gets in by principle. And if he were to get in, I wouldn't 
fight against it. But if he does get in, I bet you I could list multiple people that didn't get in that were better. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Let's go to (laughs) number four. Four of this one. Uh, Believe it or not, this is... This is what I'm going to take here. Tennessee plus six and a half against the Jaguars, despite having Josh Dobbs under center. And here's why. It, it's, it's not like 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 a Yinzer, Yinzer thing anyway. It's just I don't think Tannehill is really that good. Mm-hmm. And I think Dobbs will be manageable. And yeah. Jacksonville has been on a roll. But people tend to forget how well the coach of Rabel is and just – how ten- they play football unlike anyone else. They control the clock, and they're physical, and defense is played better. I think they're going to be able to contain Jacksonville here. Now, here's the thing. I think Jacksonville wins, but they don't cover, and the mm-hmm. six and a half is quite a bit of points. Yeah. Titans are also coming off a long, uh, or coming off, yeah, a long week, because they played Thursday. Last okay. week said so extra time to prepare. This game will be on Saturday, so it's a short week for Jacksonville. Derrick Henry will will play. He'll be back. And in his career against the Jaguars, he averages over 100 yards and a touchdown in every game. Okay. Yeah, with two games over 200 rushing yards. He had another for over a buck 50. So basically, the past five, seven meetings, he's just been unreal against Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, get this. This is interesting. In the past 15 games for the Titans, as an underdog of five points or more, the Titans are 11-4 and four against the spread and 8-7 and seven straight up. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So they've won more than half their games as an underdog of five or more, which is just insane. Yeah. That's yeah, so I, I like them with the points here. Jackson, Trevor Lawrence has played since, I think, week nine or whenever. He has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league and people aren't recognizing that, but I think Tennessee, I don't think anyone will ever give Jacksonville its due unless they want a Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> like even David Garrard and stuff like he was like, okay, yeah, you're David Garrard, but like he was beating solid teams. David Garrard was very underrated too. Cause out, he had the Terrell Suggs thing. He was pretty good, but he was great against the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, well, Suds was great, period. But, but you know, I meant, yeah, Garrard was, like, mid at best, but he always found a way to beat the Steelers. He beat him in the playoff game, didn't he? Or was it yeah, I, I think that, I think drafting Blaine Gabbert was so stupid looking back. Like, his, I don't think they needed a quarterback. I thought Garrard was solid, and then his career just, like, faded away. I think Garrard was one of those guys, wasn't he, like, the backup for Byron Lefwich, and, like, they brought him in. And he was really good for them, but he was like, yeah, I feel like you're still the, just like that backup guy. Like, I feel like yeah. they, that's what they thought of him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they moved. Nowadays, it's like you have to move off. That's kind of what they, they did back in the day. And yeah, it set him back a long time. I think Gerard was a lot better than he was ever get, given credit for. I agree. And I feel like he did just as well, like with some of the people that he was with. Like, I feel like Jacksonville never had has had a good receiver. <laughs> I was just about to mention maybe uh, Jimmy Smith, obviously, who? but that was uh, you know uh, twenty years ago. So you know, I was going to say funny thing about Jimmy Smith was I found out he is like one of five or six players to have nine thousand yard receiving seasons or something. Oh wow! Because Mike Evans just like 
was brought into that because um, he has nine in a row. And uh, they had like a minimum of nine. And it was like Jerry Rice had 14. Uh, someone else had 10. And then like Evans was there. But Jimmy Smith it's probably was like, like Marvin's, Marvin Harrison or somebody. Yeah, Troy Brown. or Yeah, I forget. But yeah, like randomly Jimmy Smith. Like I didn't realize he had that many thousand hertz. Or like, like Rod Smith is always thrown in there. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess he was really, really good. Mm-hmm. He was actually an early second round pick to the Cowboys and won a couple Super Bowl rings before leaving. So I didn't, I thought he was a career Jaguar. Oh, no, I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah, I guess like, yeah, in those 90s teams, he won a couple rings. He was an early second rounder. And I think they ended up cutting him because he was like hurt or something. And then like he didn't take a pay cut or something. I don't know. But then you know, being a pretty dynamic player with uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, he's, he was a multiple pro bowler. Yeah, I, I'd put him in the hall of really good with Devin Hester. That's where yeah. they belong. <laughs> I would I would let Devin Hester leap him, but I wouldn't let him leap. Anywhere. If if the if the Hall of Fame is in Canton, Ohio, where do you put the Hall of Very Good? Where do you think that would be? Oh uh, man, I was gonna say like Cincinnati, just down the street. <laughs> yeah, I, I, does I, it belong I, in Ohio still? I uh, I don't know. I don't put know it in Akron. Akron. Yeah, Akron's good. <laughs> there you go. The Hall of Really Good. Really Although, good. like, where, where's the Baseball Hall of Fame? Cooperstown? Like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, pick a real place. Right. That's it, that is random. Canton, Ohio is very random for the NFL Hall of Fame. Like, like the, it's the, not even like Ohio's. Well, they weren't <laughs> good in football since like the fifties. Yeah, it was like the original. Like, okay, <laughs> sweet. Um, but, the, but yeah, there, there's what the NFL in Canton, there's the, uh, MLB in Cooperstown, but then you have like a NHL, I think it's in Toronto. That's where it should be. That's like the, the capital yeah. of, of uh, Canada. That's like the, the national pastime. Like you should have, uh, I get Cooperstown's in New York, but like, I don't know, put it in, uh, Manhattan. Yeah. Long Island or, or uh, put it next to Yankee stadium or somebody like that. I mean, uh, maybe it's not fair to do that, but like. Yeah, that's know, put it put it in a real <laughs> stadium, or put it in a real city. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of these Hall of Fame places are are pretty random, and like, yeah, especially, um, yeah, Kane to me is really like in the middle of nowhere. Like, I've been to the Hall a couple of times. It's really like getting there is kind of like strange. You're you're like, even if you're following the GPS, you're like, I feel like I've made a wrong turn. Yeah, absolutely. The whole time you're driving there, you're like. I uh, is this still the right way? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, at least from Pittsburgh it. you're like going you're like okay I'm on the highway and then you're like get off here and then go down this back road forever and you're like okay there's a bunch of fucking pastures here but should I keep going? And then you, <laughs> you show up somewhere where there's like a Pizza Hut Taco Bell and you're like okay I guess I better eat here and then um <laughs> you know you get into Canton. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's that's it's, my review of the the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and then and then you have the Nysmith Memorial. Uh, that's for uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. That is in Springfield, Massachusetts. I guess yeah, it's kind of around Boston for Celtics. yeah. Springfield's a real city, so uh, yeah. although I've like, what do you think should should the the Hall of Fame be in a city where there's a team, or should it not be? You know, I, I initially was said it should be in a major city, but generally major cities do have the sports team. Right. I kind of do like it in a in like a uh, neutral city. Right. Uh, you know, I was bashing Canton and 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 uh, Cooperstown, 
and uh, and and Springfield now. But maybe that's the way to go. Maybe it should be not you know not for a you know New York or or Boston or uh, L A or wherever it is, even Denver, Pittsburgh, some a smaller city like that. But I feel like even like Akron would be more sense than Canton. Yeah. But uh, whatever. At least Canton's like, what would Canton be known for if it wasn't for the Hall of Fame? They're so lucky for that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's really like the Hall of Fame is bigger than Canton itself. Yeah. The only reason Canton exists is because of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. JP, let's, let's do your final pick with number five. Number five. I've been high on the Lions all year, but. Final week, I'm going to take Green Bay minus four and a half. Um, and the reason is Green Bay's at home at Lambeau with playoff implications on the line. If Seattle wins in the four of 25 margin, Detroit's eliminated. So if Seattle wins, look for a different Detroit team to come out there. But let's say even if they Seattle loses and you get the best of both teams, it's going to be a playoff game and it's going to be cold at Lambeau this late in the year. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff is um, in games in his career under 35 degrees at kickoff. Outside of garbage time in a Panther game, he had, I, I think last year or a couple of years ago, outside of like the garbage time, it doesn't matter. He has one touchdown to five interceptions in games under 35 degrees. And this year alone, 23 out of his 29 touchdowns all year came at home. Oh, wow. Yeah. So on on the road this year, six touchdowns to four interceptions and a three and four record. While Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, in his career through December and January in the regular season is 28 and four. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, let, I think Green Bay's finally found themselves. They're in a little bit of a rhythm here with, uh, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, Alan Lazard's playing better, but Rodgers is finally getting into the groove here with these guys, and um, I, I, I like their chance here. Detroit's just a totally different team in, in cold weather, especially Jared Goff. Green Bay should be comfortable. I like their run game. Detroit scores a lot of points, but they allow um, pretty much more than anybody. I think that Aaron Rodgers should be able to take advantage with his playmakers and i think that green bay is going to come away here they have a strong run game and they have they have the better defense so uh, i i like green bay here not only to win but also cover fair enough jp i have one last question for you before we wrap it up is jared goff good well um <laughs> yes he's good but <laughs> is he great no <laughs> I, I, I think like he's can Jared Goff Bowl. win one playoff game. Yes, he, he's been to a Super Bowl. So, yes. Yeah. But um, with Detroit, he, do you think he could win a Super Bowl game, though? Or I mean, yeah, not win a Super Bowl, uh, win a playoff game. I think um, Detroit under Jared Goff could win a playoff game because. Well, like, 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 that's actually a tough explanation, <laughs> but I would say yes. Okay. If it's at home and in, if it's at home, yes. Okay. I don't know if they could get a home playoff game by winning their division. That'd be tough to do. Detroit, like I've seen Stafford go to the playoffs with Detroit a couple times and just disappoint immediately. I, I think you could win a playoff game with Jared Goff in Detroit because they, 
They have two good running backs. They have a great, very underrated, the most underrated offensive line in the NFL. They have, and they have very, they have very not great playmakers, but many guys that contribute to the success of the offense. I think Jameson Williams will be coming along. He was a rookie that missed most of the year, but I think he'll come along next year. Amaron St. Brown has been a Pro Bowl. I think he made the Pro Bowl this year. I think he's he did. Been, what was that? I think he did. Yeah, I think he's not in the playoffs. So they have him as a one. I think Williams could fit into it too. But then, I mean, like they have other guys like uh, Khalif Raymond, uh, DJ Chark. Some of these receivers that were just like written off or n- not even heard of, they've c- come a long, long way this year as well. Um, the Hawkinson trade um, is going to cement them with more draft picks to boost up their defense. Um, and honestly, I, I really love the run game they have with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Like I said, offensive line is one of the best in the league, despite not getting recognition. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a phenomenal player in this league, but they need more help on defense. And I think if they're able to get a playoff matchup against a team, like um, well, I would say a team that, um, like the Buccaneers of today, like a team that, you know, struggles to score a lot of points because Detroit, Detroit's capable of putting points on the board. It's just about slowing down other teams. I think if they get in and would play Tampa Bay, as crazy as it sounds, I think Detroit and Jared Goff could beat Brady and Tampa mm. in the playoffs if they were to meet. <laughs> wow. Who, I mean, looking at it right now, we know that Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl already. Who wins that trade? Well, do you think now? Do you think Detroit is in a better position long term than Los Angeles with the Stafford Golf trade? Long term, yes, but the fact that they won a Super Bowl, I think you have to give the win in the meantime to the Rams. I agree because I mean, yeah, they went all in one year for the guy, and they went all in to win a Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl. So you you have to give it to him. It was like uh. Very much like Kawhi Leonard when Toronto won their NBA title. They traded for him, and they kind of knew it was a one-year rental, but, hey, they captured a title out of it. So I yeah. think the trade and losing DeMar DeRozan long-term worked out. I think uh, J- Jared Goff, he had limitations, and I don't think the Rams win a Super Bowl last year of Jared Goff. But now that he's gone and playing well, I think Detroit's better set for the future at the moment because – we're seeing Stafford who regressed significantly this year and is dealing with some injuries and is older to Detroit. Not only has the younger quarterback, but some draft capital to go as well. So in the meantime, Detroit has a better future in my opinion, but reflecting on the past, the Rams made a better move because they won that Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, all right. Fair enough. I agree. If you're trading for somebody, you won the Super Bowl, you already won. And I think it is, like what I was just saying, or uh, I said weeks ago, like I think it could be one of those trades, one of those rare trades where it's like a double win. Yeah, I kind of see it as a win-win as well. Um, Detroit looks, this is the best team they've had in years, and the Rams are finally able to go for the hump and win the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think it is It is a, a win-win on both ends. We'll see what the Rams, the Rams need to get back into the NFL draft sweepstakes at some point, but... I mean, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see long-term. Detroit um, is better better than they've been, you know, I would say, as long as I can remember. So, yeah, 
No, not only are like I know Stafford with Calvin Johnson and them have had playoff teams, but this Lions team is more exciting than any Lions team I've ever seen. I have one last question before we wrap this up. Between the the Rams and the and the Lions, who do you think wins a playoff game next? Like first between the two, mm-hmm. it might not be this year. Uh, th- th- that is a good question because I-, I I don't know what we have in the Rams. Like when they were a Super Bowl champion last year, are they just bad because Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford are hurt, or are they just bad? I, I feel like it's a combination of of the latter. It's it's all of it really. They have no run game. Um, they were looking to move off Acres, and they kind of like scratched them for a couple games, and they crawled back to them because no one wanted to trade for them. Their run game's pathetic. Offensive line's been a mess since Andrew Whitworth retired. Pat defense has been bad. Aaron Donald got in the Pro Bowl this year, I think, because of his name rather than his play. <laughs> TJ Watt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Von Miller and OBJ deciding not to resign, I think, you know, set them back longer than they anticipated, considering yeah. they had to deal a second rounder and some change for Miller, who decided to leave. And uh, secondary is just not good. They had to bring Eric Weddle out of retirement for the playoffs last year due to injuries. And Jalen Ramsey is just not the shutdown corner that he used to be. I, I don't really know what the future holds for this team, honestly, outside of Cooper Cup, who's dynamic, even though he was an older rookie. So he's almost like, he's like 29 already. Like he's oh, almost wow. getting up there. So I, I don't really know what the future holds for them. I think the Lions have a much more youthful team, a much more energized team. The Rams definitely have the coaching advantage. I'm interested to see how Sean McVay responds to crisis like this. I have I have I have one last question, or I I said I have one, one one last question, but I have another one now because you touched on Jalen Ramsey. It makes me think, you know, the shelf life of the running back in the NFL is so short. What do you think shorter, like the the window between the running back versus the cornerback? Because you see, like a, a cornerback come in, like Jalen Ramsey or, or whoever it is, come in for a couple of years. Even Richard Sherman, like or Revis. Like, for a, a handful of years, they're beasts, maybe six years, but then that's it. You see these running backs every now and then who are pretty good for a couple of years. Like, Arian Foster was a beast. Nobody fucking remembers his name now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just the wear and tear of the running back position where they're young and youthful, and they're able to put up substantial seasons. Like, Ezekiel Elliott as a rookie was phenomenal. Right. Um, right, Leonard He's Fournette one of those guys I thought of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Najee in his rookie year better than he was this year. Um, but yeah, yeah, you, you do see that with corners a lot too for a different reason. It's not because of the wear and tear, but their game is so dedicated on speed. And I think that as they age, like the, the receiver position's always young. People are always finding wide receivers. Yeah. There's different types of receivers. You know, whether you have the the slot guys that are quick, the deep threats, whatever it is, receivers and corners positions are built entirely pretty much on speed. Playing a corner, playing as a corner nowadays is harder than ever, as I say all the time. And I think just like getting older for some of these guys, it's very hard for a guy like Ramsey to be covering a guy like Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase in right. day because the players just get better. And then you see a guy like Sauce Gardner who's able to match up better with some of these younger guys or uh, uh, um, 
PS2, Pat Sertan, he, um, he, he's best, one of the best corners in the league. AJ Terrell for Atlanta, like, I, I don't. When he said they, PS2, Pat Sertan, I was like, yeah, with Sam Madison, Zach Taylor. <laughs> is that who it was? Zach, not Zach yeah. Taylor. <laughs> Zach, is that who it was? Who's their, who's their middle linebacker? Zach. Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas. Okay. Yeah. 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 Jason Taylor, the I whole crew. About that Dolphins team, someone a few days ago. I think I came to the realization that Pat Sertan Sr. and Sam Madison, maybe my favorite corner tandem. Like ever, the only one that might come up to it is uh, is uh, uh, Pat or not? Jesus, not Pat Sertan is Al Wilson and uh, oh my god, uh, Mike uh, on Green Bay. What's his name? Mike Al Wilson and oh my god, he also had dreads. They both had dreads. Again, Mike. No, I know who you mean. Did he play for Chicago though? What was his name? I can't remember who the other. Oh my gosh, was. I'm drawing a blank too. But I think I know who you mean. I thought he played for uh, Chicago, not Green Bay. Though. Am I wrong? Uh, uh, I like Al Wilson though. Yeah, no, I can't. I I have to see who it is. I, I, when I see it, well, I'm okay, gonna... so I was going to say. In addition to that, Chicago, I, I like Peanut Tillman and. Uh, oh man, who? Now there's another bear corner. I, I forget his name already. But there, there's an, uh, another bear corner who was uh, like like a shorter corner that he played with back in the day that. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking right now. 2006 had Charles Woodson and Al Harris, so maybe it was even before that. I thought it was Charles uh, Woodson. Al Harris is cool too. Yeah, no, Charles Woodson's a beast. I can't remember who was it. Mike? Oh, he Mike McKenzie. He played for uh, New Mike Orleans McKenzie, too, right? right? Yeah, I'm not even gonna look. Mike McKenzie. It's weird too because I'm I'm typing Mike Green Bay. They had uh, Mike McCarthy and Mike Sherman. So many Mikes for for uh, Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, but that is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But besides those guys, I have Mike McKenzie and Al Harris, or or two of the cooler ones. Yeah, I I I, I, I like that tandem. I I like um. I guess you could put Woodson or like Dion of anyone, but if you had to go two and two, yeah, I, I was definitely a, a certain Madison guy back in the day, or Tim even uh, Cromarty and a and uh, Revis, right? Did they play together with the Jet? Cromarty was on so many teams. I don't know if he was a Jet or Charger. Has, has Cromarty been on more teams or more kids? Uh, kids. <laughs> I, I feel like no one's catching that. Yeah. He's had four. He's had 33 kids, so it's already, yeah. it's already <laughs> passed it. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. but he, he's working on like going back to college to match the number. Yeah, good for <laughs> uh, him, man. Tim Jennings was other corner I was thinking of who I liked. He played with uh, Peanut with, Tillman yeah. in Chicago. Was yeah, that on like the Super Bowl five, run? Eight. No, no, this is a little bit after. He was he was five eight though, and they were just both known for like forcing fumbles. He like he, were, he was yeah. one of those lesser known guys who was like good for like a year or two or three. And I forgot about him, but he was he was pretty solid. Who was that I missed who you said? Tim Jennings. Yeah, yeah. Tim Jennings was solid for a minute there. I, I was a fan of his. Him and uh Peanut Tillman. That's when they Bears, had like yeah. Mike Brown and Craig Steltz. Yeah, Craig Stoltz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was he LSU? Yeah, he was LSU with uh, uh, Jacob Hester and that whole crew, yeah. man. Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, Jacob Hester was one of the the and, white uh, running backs that it was Morsey. a beast, like uh, Toby Gerhardt in uh, college that just didn't do anything. <laughs> 
You, you see a lot of guys like that. It's yeah. just uh, who's the other uh, Jake Sharp on uh, Kansas was good for a yeah. year. Uh, 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 Brian Leonard. Uh, Brian Leonard from Rutgers with Ray Rice. Yeah, he, he yeah he's like the king of the running back fullback. Hybrid mix in college. Uh, we, we joke about Brian Leonard, but for anybody listening, seriously, look up Brian Leonard highlights. Like, there's actually some pretty impressive ones. He was like hurdling dudes before that was a thing. Yeah, he he might have been one of the original hurdlers because the yeah. Leonard leap was like a, a well known thing. Yeah, yeah, he he would like truck dudes and hurdle them. Like, yeah, it was, it, was, it was something. And then it was like nausea the other day, them. man. It's crazy. That was incredible. Because normally he goes up for it and then he falls right on his face. Yeah. But that one was perfect. Yeah. It's it's that one of those master. things that those big running backs, if they can jump, because these cornerbacks and defensive backs are just going at your knees or lower. Like, if, if you time it right, it, it's you can absolutely do it. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's, like, not, not more of, like, outside of, like, like a touchdown or game-winning touchdown or something, the best, like, way to hype hype up your team from offensive from an offensive standpoint yeah so so not no like turnovers or anything but or a big hit but for an offensive player hurdling someone's like the best way to get like your your team fired up yeah if if you're into a renegade for offense and you don't have something like that or like the juju <laughs> hit on a perfect like something like that like yeah you if you hurdle somebody that that gets you going yeah absolutely that's <laughs> That's cool, but if I don't think I ever officially answered your question, but if if I had to, I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna say the the Lions. No, well, no, I, I'll say that was my initial. Point. I'll say Lions somehow get a playoff win before the Rams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with it. I I just see some regression and no draft picks in the Rams, while the Lions have players and draft picks it's just more of a gut instinct that i'm going against so logically i'll go with the lions even though they are the lions i i think the lions go before them if they do it in the next two years because i feel like uh sean McVay is just a better coach than uh, i i think there really is there really is like a two maybe three year gap on, right on that and once that closes i'm definitely leaning with the rain i'm not shitting on dan campbell at all because i feel like he is like kind of the rah-rah guy and like He's he's as good as any other uh, Detroit Lion coach anymore. Yeah, and the players like him, and yeah. he seems to be like a he's just a different type of coach. Definitely intense, but players seem to like him, and te- teams better than anyone ante- anticipated. So you gotta give him credit. Yeah, absolutely, JP. Fantastic conversation as always. I feel like this might be one of our longer episodes. How long do you think this went? Uh, it's been a while, definitely an hour fifteen, maybe almost an hour and forty. Jeez, Hopefully yeah. People like listen to that. That's Just good long. sports talk now, because I feel like yeah. uh, you know what? Uh, it's I feel like it's entertaining enough, at least to the age bracket that we're kind of going for. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we got to cover cover the Steelers, um, the picks, yeah, uh, Hamlin, and uh, we got to. T- take a shot at the the, the B team as well. Those guys, <laughs> yeah. yeah, those guys probably think he, he should be starting over Muth at the moment, but <laughs> yeah. that's that's here nor there. No. <laughs> we, we won't get too much into that, but yeah, I, I, I'll keep my 
opinions to myself at the moment. I don't need them calling out the poor man's podcast. Oh yeah, I know. We we yeah, we don't we don't even want to give them any credit. We don't want people to you know stray from us to listen to the you know a a, a station they don't even recognize. I don't even know why Madden gives them the credit as the B team. They're more of like a like a C plus. Best. I, I feel like we're we're the A team, and then maybe the next one is C plus, and then maybe even D after that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not uh, you know what? Let me say this real quick. <laughs> uh, you listen to some sports stuff with like Bob Pompiani and stuff, or you know some of these guys like uh, uh, Paul Zeiss. Like I feel like, what the hell are they even talking about? There's this one guy, I think it was after the Ravens game. I, I don't even know his name, but he, he had glasses. And he, he was kind of young, probably early 30s. But I think he was he, he was one of those guys. And I remember instantly when he came on the screen, I'm like, I don't respect this guy's opinion. On <laughs> like, and he and everything he Is said. Is it Rob Rossi? <laughs> like, it was just... It's like, yeah, I think uh, Kenny Pickett played well. I think he's your franchise quarterback. I think he's the best. Like, it, it seemed like he was like already making him out to be a rookie Roethlisberger, and it's yeah. like, buddy, let's let, let's cool our jets here. Was it like let's impress the the fans to you know get some uh, you know uh, attention my way? It was Yinzer Yinzer football talk. Is Yinzer propaganda. Yinzer fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fake news. Fake Yinzer news. <laughs> All right, JP. Uh, let's wrap this up. It's always a good talk. I feel like this was a more entertaining episode. Even though it did run long, I feel like it was entertaining. And uh, it's always uh, always a good chat. JP, anything you'd like to end on? No, I, I think I made my point clear on we know who. Um, <laughs> I, I think... Well, let's let's hope for not only a Steeler victory, but a Jets victory and a uh, Bills victory. Yeah, I'm pulling for the Bills. I I always like the Bills in general because I feel like they're they're a good team doing it the right way. I like Sean McVay. I like Josh Allen a lot. I feel like he's the most entertaining player to watch. Um, anytime the Bills play the Chiefs, it's always must see TV. And I'm um, I'm always I'm just pulling for them. I, I'd like to see them win, and especially for Demar now. But, uh, you know, going forward, hopefully we do see a Bills win. Hopefully we see a Jets win. And uh, I feel like the least likely is the Steelers win, but hopefully we see it. <laughs> and hopefully, I, I hope they do play the uh, Bengals-Bills game eventually somehow. There's, like, I, I'm 100% understanding of why it's delayed at the moment. And, uh, I, I, I trust that they'll do what's best in the best interests of everybody. But, like, yeah, there's that game had a lot of playoff implications. Chiefs may finish with, like, just for seeding and for fairness to the game and for people who have spent a lot of money in, in like, their fantasy leagues and everything. I hope they find a way to play the game, but also let's not take away from the reason why it is postponed, which is definitely way more important than anything sports-related or fantasy-related. So... You know, let's let's. I hope they find a way to to get it done, but don't take away from the message here. So, and I also encourage people to get out, donate to uh, Demar Hamlin's uh, child, uh, the toy toy fund, and um, you know, keep them in your thoughts and prayers. And let's hope for a quick and safe recovery. And you know, let's let's hope the best for him. Yeah, absolutely. You see a lot of people. <laughs> he like you were saying, he was going for 
what, $2,500? And I think Chris Jericho donated $10,000 by himself. So, you know, you, you see stuff like that. That's <laughs> awesome to see. It's just, it, it, rest, it restores your faith in humanity a little bit because, like, yeah. You see, you see such shitty things on the news all the time, and it's because you know uh, if it bleeds, it leads. If it's if it sounds bad, like that's what people want to hear. And like this, I mean, you it is. It's from awful. The extremists on either side. It's never the common people in the middle on what. Well, that's where that's where ninety percent of the people are, uh-huh. and then it's the the out the five percent right and the five percent left that you hear all the time, and it just sounds insane, but. You know, I feel like most people are on the same page and, and most people are good people. But, yeah, you know, you see that it's it's you, you hate to see why. But, you know, tomorrow's cause is a good cause. So we can hope and pray for him. And you know what? You know, his his cause is a good cause. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, well, it's definitely, you know, c- continue to hope for um, m- more donations and uh I said, I think, you know, I, I, I heard things are progressing in the right way. He's on like 50% oxygen. I think I last heard. So, you know, hopefully they continue to make strides and he makes a full recovery. And like I said, I just, I, I really hope he's able to live and see the moment where he realizes how like, you know, like, like this changed, like, like the, the world of sports in so many ways that like, you see it people is. from every team and sports come together and just, I really want him to be able to see the donations that, you know, everyone want, everyone's supporting this, this guy and the toy drive. And I, I really want him to be able to ha- have a moment where he realizes that that's what happened. And and I feel like it's rare, but I do feel like in this situation with him, like it, like, I feel like that would be bigger for him. Like, to see the impact he had on the world versus, you know, a win or a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And like, there's so many good people and you only see bits and pieces of the men of the year nominations. And, uh, you know, even, you know, DeMar Hamlin was really not a household name until just a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, now that he is, I'm really hoping that, we're able to use, you know, him as a role model is a good cause because a, a lot of people that we look up to nowadays, it's, you know, there's, it's, it's not the best people. And he really seems real and sincere in his goals and missions. And uh, I, I hope that he's able to li- live out and s- see that happen. And I hope that, uh, you know, we could promote more positive role models across all areas of media and sports and, you know, politics and everything. I agree. If you like it or not, uh, NFL players or, you know, professional athletes for boys between eight and 17 or whatever, like if you like it or not, they, they are role models. And I, I think the set a very good example and, um, you know, we, we hope the best for him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've been so fortunate, you know, as football fans to not see something, you know, that's serious up to this point. And the fact that, you know, this opened the eyes of millions of people, I'm thinking that, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, hey, this guy was on the brink of death and came out, you know, hopefully. And I think that's going to influence a lot of people. And then if they could not only be influenced by him, but his cause and mission as well, and that influences them 
to then give back and contribute to, you know, maybe it's not toys for kids, but if it's some other positive thing, whatever thing it is, you know, I think that making an impact like that's going to be substantial and goes so far for so many people and the people that need it. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, he's done great work uh, for Pittsburgh, McKee's rocks, you know, kids in that area, even like I was saying, at central Catholic, you know, football camps and stuff like that. You like to see somebody like that succeed. And, you know, after a freak accident, you, you'd like to see him recover. But JP, always a pleasure. Always uh, good talking to you. We'll talk next week in the final week of the regular season. We'll see if the Steelers are playoff bound next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, time will tell. Let's go, let's go uh, five for five on the picks and three for three in that uh, Steelers parlay. Let, let's let's get a playoff spot and hopefully not against Kansas City again. But hopefully yeah. we'll get a playoff spot. Uh, you know what? I, after saying they should tank, they should suck all year. If they make the playoffs, I eat crow, man. It's the end. Like, absolutely, you proved me wrong. But, I, but like I said, I feel like they're going to end in the worst possible position, which is the best team to not make the playoffs. Yeah, very possible. But it, the fact that they pulled together these many wins in a row in the second half of the season, I think I'm already kind of like backtracking what I said. So, you know, good good for them. I'm happy that Tomlin and the Steelers were able to prove a lot of people wrong. Right. Like we, kept it, saying, it, like we kept saying, we want to see progression in Pickett, and I guess the progression in Pickett equals to wins. So it is what it is. Uh-huh. And like I said, like tanking, you lose the locker room. And winning games, even unnecessary games, um, it's it's a confidence builder. And uh, I think that next season, in year two, we'll see a more confident team with more of a direction. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see, but um, let's hope the season doesn't end this week. Absolutely, JP. Like I just said, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week for Sports Guy JP. I'm Chris. I'm going to say I'm so happy. Yeah that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast, signing off. See you next week. You like that? You like that? You play to win the game. Playoffs? What are you talking about? Playoffs? Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie.